I got you. <laughs> oh, the Lord is good. And all the time? All right. Amen. What a beautiful day. It was a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I'm just feeling Mr. Rogers today. You guys ready? You ready to hear a word from the Lord? Ready to focus in? All right, let's pray. Father God, as we bow our heads in prayer today, Lord, we ask you to come. We ask you to help us hear your voice. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you would use me. I'm just a vessel, that your words would come forward today, Lord Jesus. God, that it would pierce hearts, that it would change minds, that it would change directions, Lord Jesus, that it would bring confirmation, that it would bring peace. Lord, I thank you for the good work you began, you will bring to completion, God. I thank you that you are sovereign. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you work all things out for those who love you and called according to your purpose. Today, Lord, as we dig into your word, God, I pray your word would dig into us. God, I pray that your word would would uh, reveal what needs to be revealed. And God, that your word would be a lamp unto our feet today. God, we give you praise. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. All right. So this week's message is the beginning of our new sermon series called The Blessing. We just came out of the covenant and we talked about the Abrahamic covenant, and we talked about how that really set us up for the new covenant. And we talked about how Abraham had, you know, what was promised, land, offspring, and blessing. And we talked about blessing really being a blessing of that abundant life. And so this series that we're going to be in for the next month is really going to be talking about that abundant life that God has called us to. And today we're going we're gonna to have a message for you that I think you guys might enjoy. It's called The Tale of Two Donkeys. Mm-hmm. Can you say that? The Tale of Two Donkeys. Is that not fun? Uh-huh. You, you guys just be glad I have matured in my 40s and I'm not going KJV on you, okay? But it is, I told myself not to say that joke, but it just, it wouldn't leave my head. So here it is. The Tale of Two Donkeys. All right, and actually, I, I was like, I, I woke up inspired by this message, and I told my husband because it was a really busy weekend, and, and the Lord gave me a new message, but I, I, I was debating if I had enough time to prepare it as adequately as I thought it should be, and so I thought this message, with this, this title was just dropped, and then as I was researching, I was like, oh, this is actually a, a title of a fictional um, book that I, I've never read to my kids, but after looking at it, I'm like, I should get it. Uh, it looks really interesting, and in the fictional book, um, it's based on biblical narratives, and they come from a perspective of two donkeys that kind of went through the life of Jesus, one of the donkeys in the uh, in the barn where he was born, and then one, one was the one in the triumphal entry. And so I thought that was cool. But today I'm going to talk about two donkeys as well, and it's going to be biblical narratives, but uh, this is going to be the adult version. This is not going to be the, uh, the, the child version. We're going to talk about Balaam's donkey. And we're going to compare that donkey um, and that, not necessarily that donkey, but that situation with the triumphal entry as well. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna dig in deep, and it's going to be fun, and we're going to see some similarities here in these two narratives. So we're going to go all the way to the Old Testament, Numbers 22, and I'm, we're, we're going to read quite a bit of this. We're going to read from the ESV today, mostly, Okay. So Balaam, I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, background before we get into this passage that we're going to read. 
Balaam was a prophet. Um, I consider him a, a false prophet, even though uh, some of the things that he prophesied was true. He is one of those people who were anointed and had the gift but didn't have the character of God. And Balaam is actually given a lot of um, address, if you will, in, 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 the, in the Bible. Uh, he, he's spoken about quite a bit in, in the Bible. He, so we see him in Numbers, and then we see him, he's mentioned in Deuteronomy and Peter and even in the book of Revelation. And we're, so, so it's kind of important for us to learn from Balaam. And anyone who goes through the Bible, especially in the Torah, those first five books, once you get into Numbers, you're like, oh, okay. No, don't skip over numbers, friends. Um, I actually like the Hebrew title for num numbers a little bit better, in the wilderness, because there's a lot of things that happen. And this narrative is very interesting. So Balaam, we're going to learn about him today, okay? Verse 21, it says, So Balaam rose in the morning and, sa and saddled his donkey and went with the prince of Moab. <laughs> but God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way of his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkeys, and his two servants were with him. And the donkeys saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in the narrow path between the vineyards with the wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pulled against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And when Balaam's anger was kindled, he struck the, the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, what? Is this in the Bible? Yes. Yes, it is in the Bible. And you were like, I thought you said we're doing the adult ver version. This is the adult version of animals talking in the Bible. And this is not the first narrative of animal talking. Hello, Eve, serpent. Okay. <laughs> Open his mouth. What I have done to you, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And, ba and Balaam said to the donkey, I don't know what's worse, the donkey talking or Balaam talking back. <laughs> because you've made a fool of me. I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you. And the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey? <laughs> On which you've ridden all of your life long to this day? Is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, no. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. I heard one preacher say, I don't know what's more miraculous, that the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey or the eyes of Balaam. <clears throat> and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in his way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse. 
before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me and these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Then Balaam said to the, the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now, therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with these men, but only speak the word I tell you. So Balaam went out with the prince of Balak. I think it's interesting. First, God told him not to go, but then Balaam basically, you know, was tempted by that money. <laughs> and and uh, God let him do what his heart desire was. But then he warned him, and it's also interesting that he prophesied three times and struck his donkey three times. That's, that's some interesting things that we're going to get into in, in, in a moment. But I want you to keep this narrative in your mind as we read about another donkey. And then we're going to go in, we're going to go in and we're going to see some, some light here, okay? <laughs> so the triumphal entry, Luke 19, 28 through 42. I'm going to read quite, quite a bit here as well because I want you guys to hear this whole narrative before we get into it. And it says in verse 28, and when he had said these things, he went ahead going up to Jerusalem. Verse 29, this is Jesus, okay? And when he drew near to Bethany at the moment that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied, a, a baby donkey, and which, you, which it has never yet set. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You should say, the Lord is in need of it. So those who went and sent went away and found it just as where he told, excuse me, just as he had told them. And as they were untying the coat, its owner said to them, why are you untying the coat? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they bought it to Jesus. And throwing their coats on the coat, they set Jesus on it and he rode along. They spread their cloaks on the road. I think it's interesting in, in verse or excuse me, in the Old Testament, in Zechariah 9, verse 9, says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a coat, on the, on the file of a donkey. Interesting, right? Verse 37, As he went drawing near, already on the way to Mount Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory and the glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. In verse 41, it says, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would that you, even you, had known on the day the things that make peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. So two narratives here of a pretty important donkeys and the lessons that we can learn from both of these stories. The first thing I want to bring out to you is God sees your heart, so heed his call. He sees your heart, so heed his call. Balaam, when, you, when first reading Balaam, if you guys don't know this narrative, I 
really encourage you to go back and, and read not just chapter 22, but the following uh, few chapters as well, and do a, do a word study on Balaam and, and research it. Because it's very interesting because, again, Balaam is called a prophet. He has the gifts. He's well-known. I mean, in those days, he would have been a tele-e, okay? He would have been the one that everybody would have known his name. He would have been the Internet influence. He would have been on sneakers with pre- uh, pre- preachers with sneakers, right? He would have been the one that people knew about. <laughs> yes. He would, have, he would have had a multitude of followers. And yet, his character was not in aligned with his giftings. And so often in American church, we want things so comfortable. We don't want to put in the sacrifice like the generations before and build something. And we care more about our comfort than character. It's, it's scary to me, the lack of discernment in the American church. It's very scary to me. We will follow anything that makes us feel good and, and not care about character. We care more about comfort, programs, what, what does the church have to offer me than the character of the leaders, the integrity of what they walk in, than the integrity of, of, of who you say you are. <laughs> and we wonder why we're in the state that we are in. Balaam had a wayward nature. I mean, the angel said to him on his way to prophesy, even though he did submit and, 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 and spoke, uh, he spoke God's blessings that's where I got this from. The, the whole, you know, sermon series that we're in is blessings. He spoke blessings over the people of Israel because he did submit to God's word at that time and spoke blessings three times. However, his nature never submitted. Interesting. Interesting. The people of Jerusalem, when Jesus rode in on the donkey, spoke blessings. They sang praises with their mouth, but their nature never submitted. Because you cannot possibly speak Hosanna one Sunday and then the next Sunday say crucify, or, or not even a, a week later, <laughs> say crucify, if you have a true heart change. And so this is, this is what we need to heed from this lesson. God sees your heart. We need to heed his call. So often we hear powerful messages, we, we get into our word, and we're like, man, that's good, and we take no time to reflect on it and allow the word to change us. God does not desire loud but vain praise. He doesn't care how many followers we have if we're not truly following his path, how much influence we have if we're not truly submitted. And this is not to smack us around. This is to wake us up and say, man, I don't want to be like Balaam and be a prophet and have people come find me to hear my words, and yet I have such a wayward nature that I am the person that is being that, that the rest of the entire Bible says, don't be like Balaam. <laughs> don't be like Balaam. He had every opportunity to do right by God and yet chose money over the lordship of Christ. What's the New Testament say? You cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot serve both God and money. One needs to be a tool to, to advance the kingdom, to be sown into to God's righteousness, to take care of your family, to do the things that you need. But when we bow down to money, we lose we lose who we are in Christ, and we've got to be careful. 
Balaam had a wayward nature, and he never crucified that nature. The people in Jerusalem, they were loud with their mouth, and yet their hearts were lousy. They weren't submitted. They weren't submitted. The people, the triumphal entry, they honored him with his lips, but their life was not in surrender. And this is the thing. It's okay to shout praises. Anyone who knows me knows I love to shout praises. But, friends, every day is not, every day we don't wake up and always, it's just, it's not reality. There's days that we're going we're gonna to not shout praises, that we're going to be mourning in repentance. There's days that we're going to be grieving. There's days that we're going to struggle. And when we think that it's only, that life is only the first three songs of a worship set, <laughs> that it's only going to be fun every single time, when, when painful things happen, we're not ready. We're not ready. Balaam was not ready to submit because there was too many temptations out there for him. He had a wayward nature that loved money. The people of Jerusalem thought that Jesus was going to come and overthrow their government. And when he did not overthrow the Roman oppressors and do exactly what they thought he was going to do in the government, they no longer wanted to worship him because they, because he wasn't a king who could be controlled. And so often we want Jesus to come be our savior, but we don't want him to be the Lord because we want him to save us, but we don't want him to be the one who tells us what to do. What's the scripture say in Matthew 15, 8? These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Isaiah puts it another way in chapter 39 and verse 13. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I don't want to just come near to the Lord with my mouth. I don't want to be like Balaam and speak blessings. I mean, one of his, one of his prophecies over the people of Israel, he went up on a mountain and he's, he saw, he prophesied King David, which basically eventually has the seed of the Messiah right there. He's prophesying all the way up until Jesus and yet missed him, friends. Go back and read it. He pro- Balaam prophesied up until Jesus and yet missed God. Missed God. The people there in Jerusalem saw Jesus in the flesh, and yet they drew near with their mouth but far from their heart still. That's why one of the scariest scriptures to me in the entire New Testament is found in um, James 3.10. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And we see that out of Balaam. Out of his same mouth, he blessed the people of Israel three times. And could not curse them with his mouth. And so he deceived them in a different way. If you go on and read in Numbers, I believe it's Numbers 25, but you might have to fact check me on that. He found a way because he couldn't curse the people of Israel because God wouldn't allow him with his mouth. And so he went to the people of Israel's enemies, the Moabs, and he spoke to them and told them, if we can deceive the men of Israel to fall into sexual immorality with these women who are not the Israelite women, then they will destroy themselves. And that's exactly what happened. 
And it wasn't that the people of Israel that God was blessing was perfect, because if you actually go on and read it, that, that was the first generation that was um, set free from Egypt who actually ended up dying in the wilderness. It was their children who went to the promised land. And so sometimes God can bless you, but if you don't align with the obedience of God, you will not inherit the blessing. But it's still going to come to pass. If he spoke it to you, it might be your children or your children's children that walk in it. But, friends, I don't want to miss it in my life. And so we have to start aligning our words with our actions. Balaam did not align his words with his actions. He was, and then we read on, he, he, it didn't work out for Balaam, okay? And he was the example of what not to follow. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for the people of Jerusalem because they honored God with their mouth, but their hearts were far from him. Both Balaam and the people of Jerusalem learned to give fake blessings. Oh, you know, those people that are, bless your heart. <laughs> you know, you know about that, right? That's not a real blessing. <laughs> That's a judgment. Oh, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I don't want to give fake blessings. I want to be sincere. I want to be I want to be real and that's one of the things that we say with our church, being real. Like life's life is too short to be fake. Let's give real blessings. Let's be real. Their hearts were not in it. They had every chance to just surrender to the lordship of Christ, but they never heeded God's call. Another lesson we can learn from Balaam and his donkey <laughs> and Jesus and his is, uh, and the situation surrounding both of those narratives is that enticing others to sin will bring about your own judgment. So I began to share with you how Balaam enticed uh, the nations of the enemies of Israel to cause Israel to sin. There are people that are enticement and temptations for us that we need to stay away from. And it doesn't mean that we need to be jerks to people, you know, but we need to learn to set godly boundaries. If you, if, if you are tempted to, you know, drink and fall into drunkenness and then do stupid stuff, you probably can't hang out at the bar with your, your buddies after work. It's probably just like something you can't do. If you're tempted to gossip every time you go around your family, you probably need to put boundaries up about when you spend time with your family and what you talk about. There was a season with, with, in my life that I just, we, this is the thing, friends. We are on and we, we make sure, and when I mean by on, like we make sure we have on the full armor of God in a lot of other situations. But when we go around our family, we just, we, we take it all off and act like we can just be any kind of way. <laughs> And, 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 you know, and that's why the Bible says that prophet's not accepted in his hometown. We still have to be on, and we have to learn to, what I mean by being on is keeping on the full armor of God, keeping on the righteousness of Christ, even around our family, and watching what we say and how we, we you know, we can make people, we can trigger people or say different things, and it's, it's on us. We're judged by every idle word that comes out of our mouth. Okay, I know I'm on some stuff today, but it, it's the Lord, okay? <laughs> I promise I love you. So Balaam's ongoing choices caused the Israelites to sin. And this is what the book of, I mean, this happened in the, in the Torah, right? In numbers. And then we see in Revelation chapter 2, it says, 
Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin. So they ate food sacrificed from idols and committed sexual immorality. What is the food sacrificed to idols in your life? What are those things in your life that are, that are ungodly that you know when you do that, that you're giving into idolatry? Sometimes that food sacrificed to idols in your life might not be food. It might just be you just cannot get off social media to the point that you're addicted to it. You're not reading your Bible anymore. I mean, maybe, maybe whatever it is in your life, ask the Lord to show you. What is that, you know, have you fallen into sexual um, sin? And most likely if you have, it probably started here as well. And we've we've got to ask, we want God to come, we want revival. It has to start here in the church. We have to say, clean us up, search our hearts, help us be right. Balaam never did, and yet he was still held as a prophet. I don't want to be, oh, Pastor Joy, but yeah, I'm addicted to porn. (laughs) You know, no, like I want to be right. And if I'm never famous, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I want to be, I want God to know my name. And that's what we all need to, we need to get to that place where church is simple again. We don't have to have it all, every, you know, everything else. We need to get back to the simplicity of the gospel. Being right with God, being, walking in holiness. When he shows us something, convicts us, repent, turn, change. Ultimately, Balaam was killed in battle because he chose the wrong side. The scripture says he was fighting against the Mennonites, or he was fighting with the Mennonites against the Israelites, even after God used his mouth to bless them. So he knew that they were going into the promised land. He knew that God was going to raise up a king that was going to destroy the enemies that he was on their side, and yet he still chose the wrong side to fight with. And he died right there in battle. Come on, friends. That's, that's something, right? The Jewish people who sang Hosanna also shouted crucify. Before they shouted crucify, they shouted Barabbas. <laughs> they rather have a criminal than their savior. John 12, 13 says they took palm branches. They went out to meet him shouting Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. That, that name we, we already learned today, it means save, which actually save with an explanation mark, save us now. And they thought salvation meant overturning the government. Sometimes we act like that, even as Americans, when our party doesn't do what we think that they should. And we put our hope, as the Bible says, in chariots and horses, except for in our culture and 401ks and who's, winning, who's in office at the White House and, and what team wins in the sport. <laughs> We put our hope in all these false narratives that are not going to sustain us. And we allow that to affect our mood, affect our relationships. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't get involved and, and, and do things that God has called us to do. But I'm saying our hope better be in the Lord and not in circumstances that can change tomorrow. Ultimately, the crowd of people in Jerusalem, they missed the purpose of Jesus. They missed his purpose. Balaam missed his purpose. They allowed selfish attention to cause them to sin, and they enticed others to follow. When they were shouting Hosanna, and then they went from shouting that to Barabbas to crucify because they didn't get their way because it didn't happen the way they had anticipated and thought it was going to happen. We need to be careful, friends. 
Because the Bible says that it's better for us to have a millstone tied around our, our neck and thrown into the sea than to cause another one to stumble. And so, man, like, ask God, whatever it is, your weakness. I mean, for, for years, I'm talking over 20 years, I've prayed for the Lord to help my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I'm going to sin. Okay, because this thing can be very sharp at times. And I have had to learn to shut my mouth. Like, even a fool seems wise when he keeps his mouth shut. I don't have to tell you everything I think on Facebook. Man, that's stuff. Most, most people just look ignorant. Let my life speak. And I'm not saying if God, hasn't, if God has given you a word, okay? Weigh, what I'm, weigh these words that I'm saying before the Lord, okay? But I believe that we have to be more intentional on how we live our life and how we live our life. Both Balaam and the crowd in Jerusalem, they miss God's purpose. Both enticed others to sin, and both were judged accordingly. This last thing, final thing I'm going to wrap us up with today that we can learn from these two narratives here on this beautiful Palm Sunday is God will choose, uh, God will use whom he chooses, and, in, and his way will prevail. God will use whom he chooses, and his way will prevail. In both biblical narratives, I would rather be the donkey <laughs> than Balaam or the crowd of people. In both biblical narratives, if I have to put on the play, please let me be the donkey. More like a gentle donkey, less like Balaam. Even how, even how the donkey answered Balaam was so gentle. Let me be like that little cute little female donkey. <laughs> that little gentle donkey that gave a gentle answer to turn away wrath. Balaam's like, I'm going to kill you. The donkey's like, but haven't I been faithful to you all these years? <laughs> Dude, if I was that donkey, I'd be like, er, <laughs> yeah. Okay, don't mess with the donkey's hind legs. That, that dog, he would have been off the mountain, off the cliff. <laughs> I know, even as a donkey, I'm not, I'm not as gentle as these donkeys. But I would rather be, in these biblical narratives, those donkeys, than the so-called prophet or the so-called worship team. <laughs> More like the gentle donkey, less like Balaam. Let's seek God's voice and follow it. The first time he speaks, because see, if Balaam would listen the first time he spoke, instead of being enticed by that money that the king offered him, he might not have ever been the example throughout the entire Bible for us not to be like. <laughs> but he didn't listen. You know, God wanted to be the king of Israel. But they also didn't listen, and they begged for a king, and God said, I'm going to just give them what they want. And sometimes we want to blame God for the problems in our life, but he's just allowing us to have what we want. <laughs> Before I learned compassion, I used to say, you, just, you get what you tolerate. <laughs> now I just think it. <laughs> it's not always the case, obviously. But a lot of times it's our own decisions and our own that, that leads us to where we're at, right? 
It's the steps we took. <laughs> when, we're, when others tempt you to curse or harm others, even if it's for a great reward is offered, consider the reward you already have in Jesus. Run your thoughts through his teachings and make your choices based on his trustworthy voice. Not the voice of our culture, not the voice of our politics, but the voice of the Lord. Balaam fell into temptation and he was cursed, but Israel was blessed. In Deuteronomy 23, 3 through 5, it goes on, it says, no Ammonite or Moabite or any other ites <laughs> or even any of their descendants <laughs> may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even to the 10th generation. For they did not come out to meet you with bread and water. And on your way, when you came out of Egypt, they hired Balaam, son of Beor, to pronounce a curse on you. However, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam but turned the curses into a blessing for you because the Lord, your God, loves you. The Bible says if they curse you and you do not deserve it, it will turn around and bounce off you and stick to them. See, I, will, I was a kid in the 80s and in the 90s, and we used to say, I am rubber, you are glue. Whatever you say to me bounces. No, I'm messing it up. <laughs> I was saying, okay, bounces off to me and sticks to you. Okay, there it was. I almost had it. I almost had it. Listen, that was a long time ago, y'all. I was almost there. I, 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 I fumbled to the last little minute there. That's okay. All right. But, you know, sometimes that is true. Sometimes someone goes, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had over the years people say things that are just flat out wrong and evil against me that's not even true, not even an ounce of truth in it. And I, I, I used to believe that, well, there's always a little bit of truth in anything that everybody says, right? I was raised to say, oh, there's always a little bit of truth in something. No, sometimes something is just all the way a lie. There's no truth there. And so, yeah, my husband's the one who taught me that because I remember anytime someone would have any kind of criticism, and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't learn how to receive feedback, okay? Like, if somebody is in my arena and they're speaking, like, I have mentors, I have counselors, I have coaches in my life that speak truth into my life, I need to learn to receive constructive criticism and feedback like a champ. We all do, or we're never going to grow. However, when someone just throws out something that's flat out not true, we need to learn to rebuke that and not receive it. I used to take people's words and I would chew on it, ruminate on it, think about it forever. And, and, and I had to learn, no, like that's a flat out lie of the devil. The devil's native language is lying. And so when lies come to me in my immaturity, and there was times I used to rebuke it right to their face. And every once in a while, I might have to give that look. Like I don't receive that in Jesus' name <laughs> every once in a while. But for the most part, I'm just like, in the name of Jesus, I don't receive that. You know, <laughs> that's when you can bless their heart. <laughs> and this is the thing. When you learn, <laughs> when you learn to handle criticism in a, in a positive way like that, oftentimes people, I've had just recently, in the last month, I had someone come and apologize to me for being critical uh, of me for who I am as a, as, a, as a minister and as a female minister in particular that, that they had a, God convicted them and they, they, they apologized. And 
I, I, see a, I see this person walking in a new way, and it blessed me too. And that's not the first time that's happened in my, in my walk with the Lord. And I've had to learn I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to prove myself. It's exhausting. I don't have to do that. I just have to walk in what God has called me to do. And if you like me, cool. If you don't, you're, you're missing out. <laughs> I mean, what could, I mean, that's on you. I'm still going to do what God has called me to do. And, friends, that's where we got to get to. Young people, learn it now. Don't be a 40-year-old teenager. Learn it now. You don't have to please everybody. You don't have to have a, a, a thousand friends. You don't have to have a tribe. Just have a faithful few that believe in you. And, and even, even if it's just one, the one could be Jesus, and you just keep doing what you're called to do. More like the gentle donkey turning or during the triumphal entry, less like the loud, false worshipers in Jerusalem. Let your words matter. Mean what you say. And if you have to, keep your mouth shut. Allow God to use you not only with your mouth, but with your actions. I get so blessed when I hear things like, um, you know, somebody recently was having, having some car problems and I and couldn't figure some things out. And then I heard another person in the body offered their car to them. And that, like hearing those kind of things, that blesses my heart so much to know that's what the body's about. It's, it's about coming along and actually not just saying, oh, man, I'm going to pray for you. But if you're able to do something about it, do something about it. Most of Jerusalem's religious leaders missed the Messiah, but God's plan prevailed. God gave Jerusalem another chance to repent. That's the cool thing. God's plan prevailed. Yeah, Balaam missed, missed God, but his plan prevailed. Even the first generation of Israelites, they missed God, but his plan prevailed. And finally, the people of God went into the promised land, and they conquered the enemies. Same thing here. People of Jerusalem, they missed God. They, they said, Hosanna, then they said, crucified. But then in Acts chapter 2, after the Holy Spirit poured out on the disciples and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter gets up and he preaches a powerful word. And this is what he says in verse 36 and 38. He says, therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. I, that's right here in Jerusalem. I can't help but believe that some of those people in that crowd who said Hosanna and then were convinced to say crucify were convicted when they heard this message and repented. No matter what you have done ever, if you repent, friends, if you repent, you can be saved. His will, will, his will and his ways prevails. God will use whomever he chooses. Would you stand to your feet with me? I'm not going to give um, uh, an altar call today, but, but I, I do want to challenge you. When I, when I was praying about it, I just felt like the Lord said, he just wants to let you know, just don't, don't miss him. Don't miss him. Because if you don't choose to surrender to the lordship of Christ, 
Well, friends, he can use a donkey and you can just miss out. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've been doing in our midst. I thank you for this word. It's uh, not as cheerful as I, I would like it to be, but I need to be obedient to you. Sometimes you want to cut through our, to our hearts and you want to help us realize that we don't want to be hypocrites and say one thing and do another thing. And God, I don't want any condemnation in here because there's no place for that with your people. But God, we welcome conviction. We welcome conviction because it is for our good. It's so that we can turn and repent. We welcome you to do surgery on our hearts. God, if we have been saying one thing with our mouth and living a different way with our life, Lord, please change us and convict us. God, if we have been judgmental of others and yet doing the same sin, God, please forgive us. God, if we've been projecting our own insecurities onto others, God, please forgive us. If we've used our mouth to speak bad out of our own insecurities or doubts against the people of God, against the plans of God, forgive us, Lord. Help us speak blessings and help us be a blessing. God, help us be more like these two gentle donkeys than like Balaam or the crowd of false worshipers. God, I just thank you, Lord, that today is the day of salvation, that you can change us and you can help us be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.